0: What is the secret to life on earth? What is the secret to living a happy, fulfilling, joy-filled, good life as a believer? Is there such a thing as that secret? Uh, don't we really just have to live or just come and face what happens to us and do the best that we can in that, trying to persevere and endure? Well, tonight we're going to see that there is a thing, now it's not really a secret, God tells us uh, it, it to us several times throughout his word, it's not a secret, but there is a key to living a life that is happy, that is fulfilled, that is joy filled, and that is a good life. Now the Bible tells us that, I'll just go ahead and tip it off right here from the start. The key to that is contentment. The key is contentment. Now here is the big part to that. The key to contentment is being resolved, is being sure that Jesus is enough. And so if you were to ask me today, what does the scripture say about how do we have a life that is fulfilling to us, that is a joy to us, that is a blessing to us, I would tell you the, the Bible tells us, the Bible teaching, teaches us it is a life of contentment. And the key to contentment is us being resolved that Jesus is enough. And I'll just tell you, you'll never be content. You will never be content. You may try to be, but you'll never be content until you can say, actually say, I have everything I need in Jesus. If you you can believe that in your core, I have everything that I need in Jesus, then and only then will you be content. Uh, Tonight we are back in our study in the book of Proverbs. Tonight we are back looking at the wisdom of our new friend, Agur. He was introduced to us last week as we started the 30th chapter of Proverbs. Last week, if you remember, we saw the oracle of Agur. Tonight we are going to hear the prayer of Agur. I am going to read it all. I am going to read the the entirety of that prayer and then we are going to go back and look at it. We are going to go back and break it down. Tonight, the prayer of Agur. We're in Proverbs chapter 30, tonight, verses seven through nine. Here's what it says. Two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion that I not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or that I not be in one and steal and profane the name of my God. Now that is the prayer of our friend, Agur. I'm gonna break it down and we're gonna look at it piece by piece. Let's start back in verse seven. It says this, two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die." Now here in verse seven, Agur is praying. If you remember in the previous section, the verses that were ahead of this, he has shown us that he has come to know that God holds all wisdom. He has come to know and place confidence in the fact that God's word is truth. Now the way that he came to that conclusion, he tells us uh, he has searched for wisdom. He has pursued wisdom out in the world and his pursuit has been empty. Uh, it did not bear any fruit. And so looking into himself and looking to the world, he found no true wisdom. But at this point he sure God's word is truth and God possesses all wisdom. Well, now we find as we continue along, in God's wisdom, he prays to God. Now there's a pattern there, we ought to take note of that. In God's wisdom, it is then that he prays to God. Now, he starts off his prayer, and he says, two things I asked of you. Now, it tells us there very plainly, he has two requests. And so he comes, now having the wisdom of God, he prays to God, and he says, he has two requests before God. He says this, do not refuse me before I die. Do not refuse me before I die. Now, I think that's an interesting statement. I also think it is important for us to consider this. Uh, we need to see that God is concerned not only with eternity, not only with the eternal, but God is also concerned with our lives right now. He's concerned with our day to day things right now. And so, He's not only concerned about uh, what's ahead while what we're studying in the book of Revelation. But God is also concerned with our lives right now. He's concerned with what we're feeling right now, what we're seeing, what we're doing, what we're attempting right now. God is concerned with our lives right now. And listen, you can be sure that God desires to bless you in this life. God desires to bless you in these days. Now, there are some that have taken that and they have distorted that and really made a false teaching out of that. And so sometimes we're a little bit leery of teaching that. But listen, I can tell you this. God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And in these days, he desires to bless you. Sometimes we think, well, this life is, is full of hardships and heartaches, and worries, and anxieties, and and all sorts of griefs, and we have to plow our way through it, and this life is going to be so heavy. Listen, the Bible is clear in this today. In our lives now, the Bible says we can have peace, and we are to have joy. The Bible teaches that. In these days, hard things are going to come. There's going to be things we do not understand. But listen, provided for in the person of Jesus Christ, we are to have peace in these days. God wants to bless us in the days of our life. We we are to be filled with joy in these days. Two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Okay, moving to verse eight. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. Now, the start of verse 8 is very interesting. Uh, some might say, and a quick reading might lead us to believe that the first request of the two requests is keep deception and lies from me, and So you read that and say, well, he's got two requests here, and it appears that that is the first one. He says, keep deception and lies from me. Understand, that is not it. The two requests are yet to come. The two requests are going to follow after this statement. Now, the tr- two requests are, do not let me be rich and do not let me be poor. Now, we're going to get there. We're going to talk about those uh, in depth. But the starting place that Agur has come to hold, as he holds God's wisdom is, that it's all about perspective. And so when he comes to his prayer, as he begins his prayer, as he's about to tell us his two requests, he understands it is all about perspective. It is all about the truth. It is all about seeing and evaluating through the lens of truth. Now here is the reality, listen very carefully. If we are not looking squarely through and consistently through, now both of those things are important. If we are not looking squarely through and consistently through the standard of God's truth, we will end up either with a false joy, an unfounded joy, or we will end up with an undue worry and an unrealistic pessimism. Now I want you to hear that again, I want you to, to consider that again. If we are not squarely looking through, and if we are not consistently looking through the standards of God's truth, here's what's going to happen. We will either end up with a false joy or an unfounded joy, or we will end up with an undue worry and an unrealistic pessimism. Now, I want you to see the example here. It's going to make sense as I go through the example. Here here it shows us riches, wealth, and success, they can give us a false impression. That's what he's talking about here. They can give us a false impression. Uh, If if you go and you see my wealth and your success and your riches, you might start to think, you know what, I've got it made. You know what, I, I have nothing to worry about. My, my wealth is my security. And in that false perception, we start to have an unfounded joy. And you know what? I've got it made. I, I'll never have a worry again. I'm, I'm on solid ground. And we start to have really an unrealistic joy, not a real, true joy. You ever watch somebody... And sometimes it happens, and we're witnesses to it. Maybe, maybe you can say it's happened to you personally. But you ever watch somebody, and they go through situations that their money won't fix. And you know what? They've clocked along, and, and God has blessed them, and they, they, have, they have trusted in that. But maybe they get a, a health concern, and no amount of money will fix that. Or maybe something happens with their kids or something happens in their home, and you know what, their, their money won't fix the problem, and they had a false joy, and, and now they are devastated. Now, the flip side of that is that being without, or being poor, or struggling in that way, it can breed undue worry. And so that person, they have that lens on, and they start to say, you know what, we're not ever going to make it. There's no way we're going to make it. This is how it's been for so long. You know what, we're going to starve to death and this whole thing is bad and everything is bad and there's no way out of this thing. Uh, Anger comes and he says this, give me the truth. Give me the truth. He says, do not let me be fooled. Do not let me be misled. Do not give me a false joy or an unfounded worry, but rather give me the truth. Don't give me something to worry about that's not an issue I have to worry about. Don't give me a joy that's not a real joy. He says, let me see it as it is. Give me the truth. Now, I was thinking about that. You remember the movie? It's funny. I think these are new movies, but evidently they're old all of a sudden. You remember the movie when the guy says, you can't handle the truth. I've always wanted to yell that at somebody. You can't handle the truth. Do you know the reality is this. Most people do not want the truth, and they got some false perception, they got some false impression in their mind, and they like to keep their blinders on, you know what, there may be a truth out there, but I don't wanna know the truth. Agur says, keep deception and lies far from me. Now he gives his two requests. He says, give me neither poverty, nor riches. He says, do not let me be rich, and at the same time do not let me be poor. But he says this, but do this, feed me with the food that is my portion. Now this is a very interesting statement. Uh, Do not give me riches, at the same time do not give me poverty, but do feed me with the food that is my portion. Now what that means is, Eger says, Give me what I need and give me just what I need. And don't let it be less than what I need, but don't let it be more than what I need as well. He says this, give me my portion of what I need to eat. Give me what I need. Let me tell you this, the problem is this, and I I guess it's, it's human nature, I don't know, for whatever reason, rarely are we content with what we need. And you can watch that in a little kid, you can watch that in an adult, Rarely are we content with what we need. We think to be blessed is to have more than we need. And you know what? If you got what you need, you're not blessed. We think success, uh, to, to, to be blessed, is to have more than we need. And to be safe, to be secure, to be glad in life. We need a stack that's bigger than we need. Listen, I need a house this big. I've got one bigger. I need a car like this. I've got one better. I need this much, amount of money to get through. I've got more than that. And having more than I need, now I'm safe. Now I'm secure. And now and only then will I be glad. The prayer of agar is this. Let me be content. Let me be content. Satisfied with my portion. Now, listen, that's a big statement, and that is a wise statement. Let me be content. Let me be satisfied with my portion. Now, here are the reasons why. Let's go to verse 9. That I not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want. And still and profane the name of my God. When he has plenty, when he has more than enough, he is afraid that he might deny God. And it would look something like this He would say, You know what? I'm okay. I'm doing all right. I've got it all together. Uh, He's afraid he might even become arrogant and think that he did it. I've got more than I need, but you know what, I did that. I worked to put that together. I'm smarter than other folks. And he might get to the point in his arrogance that he would say, who is the Lord? Why do I need the Lord? What has he ever done for me? I did this, and I've settled it myself. Today, one of the great enemies of people coming to Christ is that they feel no need to come to Christ. And, and, and I'll tell you, the culture that we're living in, it may be different somewhere else, but the culture that we're living in right now, people come and they say, you know what, Jesus is fine. He's okay. I'll, I'll check in with him about my eternity, but I don't need him in my daily life. And I don't need him in the day-to-day things. I, I don't need him. I've got everything handled there. I've got it all together. In fact, he'll mess up some of that comfort that I have. I'm afraid of that. And say, so you know what, I have no need of a Savior. I have no need of Jesus. I get close to dying, I'll come find him. But I'm comfortable in my life right now. One of the greatest hindrances to people coming and saying, well, I need a hope and I need a Savior and I need Jesus is because they're comfortable today. Eger goes on and he says, Or that I be in want and still and profane the name of my God. This person, they see the other folks around them with all the stuff that they have, and they start to say, you know what, I don't have enough. They start to look around and say, well, I'm not doing as good as they are. I don't have that measure of success. And here I am, and I'm living in poverty. And so what they do is they take matters into their own hands. They look around and, hey, I might not have enough money to get to the end of the month hey, I'm not going to be able to have the standard of life that somebody else might have. And so what they do is they take matters into their own hands. Here they steal, they cheat, they cut corners, they take matters into their own hands, and in doing so, watch this, they profane the name of God. You know what, I'll take care of this, I'll settle this, the answer's got to be with me. And they they act in that manner, and in doing so they profane the name of God. The word for profane, it means to make normal. They make normal the name of God. It means to bring down the name of God. It means to soil the name of our God. Now, here's what happens. The world is watching this person, and they they see them, and you know what? They're taking matters into their own hands. And you know what, they're they're bitter and they're upset and they're worried and they're filled with anxiousness and, and they're sitting around taking the thing, the answers into their own hands and the watching world says this, hold on a minute, I thought you said God was your provider. Hold on a minute, I've heard you sing all the songs, you say he is your strong tower. I've heard you say he gives you peace, peace, not as the world gives. I hear you say he is your portion and yet here you are and you're scrambling all around acting like a godless person and you make normal the name of God. Agur says, give me my portion and let me be filled, let me be content in my portion." Now, at that point, I started thinking about what he's saying here. Do you know that theme runs all the way through Scripture? And I I could pull out a whole lot of episodes, but you know, when Israel got into trouble, is when they said, you know what, the neighbors have one of those, and we need one of those. They have a king, uh, they have an army, they have chariots. The, the, The neighbors have these things. They have a palace, and I'd love to have a palace. When Israel started watching, when other folks had, is when they got in trouble. You know when David got into trouble? It's when he got bored with what he had, and he looked over and saw what somebody else had, and he wanted more than the portion that he had. I could go on and on. That is the pattern that we see. I want you to listen. Much later, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Here's what Paul says much later. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That's what Paul says. That's what Acre was asking for. He says, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Verse 13 says this, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul says that he learned the key is to be content. If you're rich, that's what he says. You know what he understands? That's not his hope. I've had my stomach full, I've had all the things I need. He says, that's not my hope. If you're poor, you know what? God will provide. He's learned that. God's always taking care of them. And so what he says here, I can be confident. I can be settled through Jesus who strengthens me. I want you to listen, and I want you to think about verse 13 again. I can do all things. Now, listen, that's not pulled out of the context. The context is being content. I can be content. I can do all things through him, Jesus, who strengthens me. Here's, here's what Philippians 4.13 says. And I want you to, to be sure of this. It says this: through and in Jesus, we have the power to be content, to be satisfied, to be settled. In Jesus, we have the power to be content. We have the power to see through the lens of truth, not to have unfounded false joy and therefore be silly and not to have undue worry and therefore suffer because we're looking through the lens of Jesus' truth. Because, listen to me very carefully, if we have Jesus, we have everything we need. Now, it's funny how we go from anger and come all the way to here, but that's the point of the message. That's the point that we're going to see tonight. If we have Jesus, we have everything we need. I don't know how many times I need to say that. If we have Jesus, we have everything we need. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need. One of my favorite sets of verses, uh, Jesus is found in, in Matthew chapter 6, And he says this, do not be worried about your life. He goes deeper than that. Don't be worried about how you're going to make it. He says, your father knows what you need. He says, do not worry. If we have Jesus, we have everything we need. Is that true? Is that some religious statement? Does that hold true? If we have Jesus... Do we really have everything we need? I started to think about that. You know what, if I need a friend, the Bible says, Jesus says he calls me his friend. If I need an advocate, sometimes you need an advocate. Jesus is our advocate. If I need a counselor, Jesus is our counselor. If I need a go-between, oh, I need a go-between. Jesus is our mediator. He'll take care of it. Listen to this. If I need a sedative, Jesus says he'll give us rest. Do you hear that? He'll give us rest. If I need to be calm, he gives us peace, not as the world gives. He says he'll give it to us. If I need a plan, he says he is the way. If I need an anchor that'll hold, he says he is the truth. If I need healing, he is the great physician. If I need a miracle, listen, I'm in a mess. I need a miracle. He is the miracle worker that walked out of a grave alive. If I need a new situation, he's the, he's the Savior that makes all things new. If I need justice, oh, I seek justice in this issue. He is the righteous judge. And when I need a remedy for sin, He is the gracious Savior God who goes to the cross and dies in my stead, making a remedy for me. He's my Savior. And when I blow it all to pieces, Again, when I mess it all up again, he is the gentle shepherd who picks up his sheep and carries him home. Friend, what do you need that Jesus is not the answer? Make a list in your mind. Work through it. What do you need? What's your problem? What do you need that Jesus is not the answer? We have everything we need in Jesus. And because of that, follower of Jesus Christ, like Paul and like Edgar prayed for, like he wanted, we can be content, we can be at ease, we can be satisfied tonight. Let us be satisfied in our portion, for Jesus is our portion. Sometimes, and, and, and it's actually pretty often, uh, some, there are people that can say things better than I can say things. And I, I like to go back to some of these hymns and think about what situation were they walking through? What did they know? What did they, they endure when they wrote this hymn? And I think sometimes they can say some things better than I can or we can. There's a guy named Will Thompson. Now, this was 120 years ago. And I wonder, what did life look like for him? What did he walk through? What was his home life like? What, what trials had he faced? And 120 years ago, he wrote this song. We're going to sing it here in just a moment. Listen to these words. Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without Him, I would fall. When I am sad, to Him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, He makes me glad. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. My friend in trials sore. I go to Him for blessings and he gives them ore and ore. He sends the sunshine and the rain. He sends the harvest golden grain. Sunshine and rain, harvest of grain. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, and true to him I'll be. Oh, how could I this friend deny when he's so true to me? Following him, I know I'm right. He watches over me both day and night. Following him both day and night, He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust him now. I trust him when. Life's fleeting days shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life. Eternal joy. He's my friend. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight and I'm thankful for this reminder to me. I'm thankful for your word that speaks to me. I'm thankful for the truth that in Christ Jesus, that I need not worry and I need not scramble and I need not search. I just need to put my eyes upon you. You are my hope, my anchor. You're the truth, the way, you're the life. And I have all that I need in you. Lord, I, I pray that I remember that. And I pray in the dark hours of the night that I remember that, in the busy hours of the day that I would remember that. I pray in the good times when I start to become careless that I would remember that. I pray in the sore and the hard times. I would scrape myself up and I would remember that. Jesus, I'm thankful that in you there is no need that's left unfulfilled. I praise you for that. Lord, I pray for a people in this room And I see all sorts of things going on, all sorts of situations. I pray that we have been reminded that we have everything we need in you. We praise you and we thank you. I pray, Lord, that we be ambassadors of that truth in a world that is scrambling and running and searching and seeking. That we would tell them the answer is found in Jesus, found alone in Jesus, but there is an answer sure in Jesus. Help us to be ambassadors of that truth. Lord, we come and on this day, We have learned that we can trust you through your word. We have learned we have nothing to fear through your word. We have learned that there is a judgment coming. and We ought to be urgent about it. Tonight we have learned, Lord, that we can be content, satisfied in all things because Jesus is our portion. We praise you for your word which you've spoken to us today. I pray that it would bear fruit as we leave here. Lord, I pray for homes here today. I pray for families here today, for grandparents, for parents. Pray for kids here. Pray for our church. Lord, we hold it up to you. We ask that you would use it, bless it, be known through it. And then we just end by saying this. As we have seen you today, heard your voice through your word, Lord Jesus, we say this. You are worthy. We praise you. We worship you. We trust you. We love you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.